Welcome to a place where conversations matter and truth matters even more. Have you noticed that recently definitions have been changing so rapidly that what once meant right now means left, what meant up now means down, what was truth now is error? Yeah, I've been pretty confused myself. It's like you can't even have a conversation with anyone because there's no common understanding. There's no unity of meaning of what dictionary we're using. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The main goalpost shifting and the main redefinitions that have destroyed our conversations and particularly destroyed what the church is all about. So what has brought us to this this current place in our culture and our relationships, etc., that it is so difficult to have really growing and deep and productive conversations with people with whom we disagree? There are a lot of there are obviously a lot of reasons for this, but specifically why is this happening within a reportedly Christian community? I've noticed this a lot with people that, you know, I went to college with, I went to church with in college, maybe even some people after that as well, that there's been a a deviation from what I see as a biblical uh, fidelity. Biblical fidelity basically has disintegrated in a lot of these groups of people. And I've seen that I've lost friendships, some relationships. I'm wary to call a lot of things friendships these days because friendship is is a term that's too easily and loosely used. There needs to be some type of commitment that is beyond just a, a common interest in making people laugh. You know, friendship should be something more than that. There should be difficult conversations, good conversations, enjoyment, commitment, and a specifically a commitment to grow one another in in holiness. So I want to talk about how how this has occurred. If you've seen some relationships kind of uh, go one way or the other, or if you yourself um, are that person that is is part of the church but has vastly different views from other people on on a lot of social issues, I want to talk about why that why that might be. I think what first has happened in the church specifically with people in my age group, maybe you went to college with me, maybe you went to college at a certain at a specific time. I graduated college in 2011. You may have been a part of a a a group, a Christian group that really in retrospect looks more like a moral social club than it does a, a group of people committed to the glory of God and to personal holiness. So I think what's happened, first of all, is that we as a group of people as a whole have substituted, have allowed the world to tell us to substitute holiness for niceness. The new goal in life is to be nice, is to have people like us, to have a better idea, a better feeling toward toward the church, toward Jesus. We want to woo people over, not really through the Bible and holy conduct, but through this patina of kindness and goodness and niceness and tolerance that really is the new holiness. And as a Christian, we 
we, we have to reject that. So if you've gotten caught up in that, I want you to, to step back and notice all the places in God's word that we are we are required to be holy as God is holy. We are to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. The pursuit of personal holiness. Now, I'm not saying that this is not subtracted from the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit empowering you to live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. But if you are living a life that is not focused on personal holiness, it doesn't really bother you that you're getting drunk. It doesn't bother you that you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend or going on weekend getaways and maybe have, you know, you're, you have some type of sexual relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, even fiance, you're not married yet. If that doesn't really bother you, then I would suggest that you step back and ask yourself, am I really a Christian? And if there are people around you who are doing that, that you don't care to call out or bring that truth to, are you actually loving them? Holiness, the commitment to to Christ requires a pursuit of personal holiness. And let me tell you that that's not it. In your pursuit of holiness, in that, 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 process of sanctification, there is a tremendous amount of peace and blessing that comes with it. And I'm not saying it's this quid pro quo relationship. I'm just saying that God has designed you to live a life that is holy. And when we live uh, underneath his his direction and his protection, there is tremendous blessing in that. So first, I, I would say that one of one of the reasons that that these these, you know, Christian groups or even a lot of of purported churches, which I, I wouldn't even really call churches, why they have adopted so much of what the what the culture has told them to adopt, why they, they don't care about per- personal holiness anymore is because they care a lot more about niceness and how the world cares um, or sees them. And um, I will say right now that if we as a church are concerned about how the world sees us, um, you you can go or go ahead and and acknowledge that that is your idol that the world is your idol the things of the world um, um, are your idol okay the second what has happened second of all the second thing is we've changed and we've redefined love to be sentimentality just think for a second for people who who let's say someone describes someone to you oh, they're a really loving person what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind one of the first things that comes to my mind for someone who is, you know, really loving, I think, oh, they're they're really gentle and soft and and they give a lot of hugs and and they're very affirming in what they say and and there's not a lot of disagreement with them. Uh, they don't challenge necessarily a lot. Sometimes we hear the term tough love and that tells you, oh, this person's loving, but they're kind of tough. You know, we have to put an adjective. We have to put a modifier in front of that. And and let me encourage you again to step back and actually read God's word um, that says that God is love and notice what he does. Yeah, he's gracious. He is um, he, he's patient. He's merciful. He's kind and he's also extremely severe. God is also the judge. Right. So he comes uh, to judge every act, every word that we do or say. So if God is love and he has all of these different attributes also that 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 we see in in his word, why have we taken the word love to mean softness and niceness and, you know, fuzziness and huggability? basically. The, the Bible has a very different definition of love, and that is sacrifice, self-giving, goodness, and truth. They're all 
they're all tethered and attached together. You cannot be someone who loves someone and forsakes what's true. So if you fancy yourself a loving person, if you fancy someone else a loving person, but you are not concerned about what's true, what God's word says uh, about about telling other people what is true, and and it can be extremely uncomfortable to do so, then I don't think that you or I or anyone else under that definition is is a loving person at all. So I, I want us to step back and actually evaluate what God's word says about what love means, what what devotion and, and sacrifice actually means on his terms and, and not our own. And the third thing is that we've really taken this idea of unity and says that and we've said that unity comes at the expense of what God's word says. What do I mean by what do I mean by that? So let's just take an example like the Obergefell decision in 2014. So I think it was 2014. So after the Obergefell decision, when the the decision on same-sex marriage was handed down by the Supreme Court, many people that I was associated with in college celebrated that decision, or at least soon after did so gave some type of tacit approval. Well, I don't want to be unloving about this. I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make them feel bad as if, as if the gospel doesn't already, the true gospel doesn't actually make you feel bad when you first hear it, when you're told you're a sinner, you've done nothing to please God, you're a wretch, you are depraved, you cannot do anything of yourself. Like that's, that's, that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. So, um, so the idea that, that, you know, telling someone that you approve of something or or withholding disapproval is actually a loving thing is completely unbiblical. But but again, this idea of unity, what are we unifying around? Well, the world says that the only way we can have unity is if we forsake actually all these biblical mandates. And And what happens in Christian culture, what has happened is a lot of people have said, well, does the Bible really say, you know, you shouldn't have sex with someone of the same sex. Does it really say that you shouldn't have sex with your with your girlfriend or boyfriend? And let me remind you that that was the first question that that Eve was asked of Satan. Did God really say? And that caused the fall of mankind. So I think it's imperative for us to stand back and step back and think, am, am I following God or am I actually following man? Oh